welcome to Stone Creek Church once again. My name is Ricky Spindler. I am uh, the lead pastor here. It's a privilege to have you join us today. In a few moments, we're going to be in a portion of scripture called the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 3. So go ahead. If you want to follow along on your devices or your Bibles, turn there. We'll say on the app, if you haven't downloaded that, uh, not only do you get notifications just about what's going on here at Stone Creek, but you also get the notes every week sent to you. You can download and follow along. They're the exact notes that, that I've preached from. Got a few things before we get to the text today, though. First is um, we want to recognize all, all the women in the room today. But before we do that, let me say a few things before we do that. It, it, it is Mother's Day, and if that caught you by surprise, well... <laughs> There might be an altar call you can respond to afterwards that'll help you out. But this is, this can be the best of days and the worst of days at the same time. It's, it's the worst of days in the sense of this may be the first Easter without your mom who recently passed away. It can be another yearly reminder for some of us uh, who are moms, it can bring up a lot of emotions because you may feel like you failed as a mom. And then also it's a reminder too, uh, for some of us, you've, you've had that dream in your heart to be a mom and for whatever reason, that never actualized. And sometimes it's become circumstances beyond your control and this is just another reminder every year of that not being a reality for you. And so we're very careful of that and we always want to acknowledge that because that's why we celebrate all women. Because the truth is, if you're an aunt, you're a sister, you're a coach, a teacher, a, a mentor, you're a, a spiritual mom to someone, you, you, you are worthy to be celebrated in this room. So would you join me now after all that and let's celebrate all the women in the room today. Can we do that? Come on. When I was preparing this message this week, I, I'm always trying to find a unique way to illustrate the, the topic and the subject matter. So I thought this week we'd begin by just putting some logos on the screen. And I want you just to interact with me. I'm going to put the logo, and if you know it, uh, you can say it out loud so that we all hear. So the first one is this. Anybody know what this one is? Ooh, come on. Yeah, there you go. You guys are smart people. Next one, I think many of us, oh, there you yep. go. Yeah, Apple. Is there anything else? Next is, what do we got? Woo, Mickey D's. Mickey D's. And this one, if you have it, yep, here we go. Oh, man, I can't even get you to clap in the service. You clapping for Starbucks? There you go. I like that. Some of you need to take your significant lady in your life to Starbucks immediately following the service here. Now, listen, the next one here in a second, I'm going to just put it on the screen here in a second. This is, believe it or not, you may not believe this, but worldwide, this is one of the most recognized logos in the world. And you wouldn't think so, but it's more popular overseas than even here in the United States. Here it is right here. Come on, somebody. Hey, there you go. 
Anybody? This is true. It's up there. The top 100 logos in the world. Now, how many of you have ever tasted the Kentucky Fried Chicken? Come on, somebody. There you go. Let I just say, it is Mother's Day, but do not take her to KFC. You can do better than that. I will just... I was thinking when the Colonel, Colonel Sanders, was... Uh, coming up with that original special recipe, he did a hundreds and hundreds of concoctions to get it just right. Ultimately, ending up on that famous 11 different herbs and spices. But did you know that that recipe, he jotted down on a piece of paper, and that that recipe and its exact ingredients is one of the most best-kept secrets in the entire world. In fact, that piece of paper is in a vault, in a Fort Knox-like situation, if you're familiar with that, in KFC headquarters in Louisville, Kentucky. That piece of paper resides in a vault, and at one time only, at one time, there's only one person in the world with the combination to the safe where those 11 herbs and spices where that recipe resides. When that person dies, they appoint another person to have the combination to that. And when they make it, they make it with two companies. They split it roughly in half. And the two companies get their portion of the 11 herbs and spices. And then they break it down within the company. Different sections make their portion of that recipe. And then they send it together. And then no one person gets to put it all together. I mean, this thing is amazing. And when I read that, I'm thinking to myself, all of that for chicken? You know, what I love about Jesus, some of you are like, how are you going to put this all together? Well, stay tuned, baby. I'm bringing it to you right now. We're going from chicken to the Beatitudes. You know what I love about Jesus is that when it comes to the secrets of the kingdom, the recipe of what it means to be a Christ follower, he's not trying to keep it under a vault, lock and key. What I love in the first sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, you want to know what it means to be a Christian? You want to know what the secret ingredients are? We're going to put them right up front, and here they are in a list for you. Come on. That made me really hungry, by the way. I want to eat. So as we read these Beatitudes, this is, this is what it means. Jesus introduces these things, every one of them, with the word blessed or blessed. I guess the best way, some of you might have translations that say happy are those, but I think that's a weak translation in the English. I think if you were to really encapsulate what Jesus is teaching here, it's God's favor that leads to a deeply embedded joy that's not determined on anything exterior or happenings of life. It is the favor of God that is on you in any situation that you face that leads to a deeply embedded joy that is God-given to your soul. And that's truly what it means to be a blessed life. So what we want to do is we want to read these just like we did last week in a responsive-like fashion. I'll read the first part. You read the second part. If that confuses you, you'll figure it out. When everybody starts doing it, you can jump right in. So we'll put the first ones on the screen. Here we go. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. 
Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. And I'll read this last one because there's no response on the second part of it. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word and truly give us understanding. Amen. Before we dive into our portion of scripture today, I just want to give you a report. I know on Easter we received an offering for Ukraine and what we were doing there. We wanted to buy a bus. We wanted to pay for tickets for those who uh, had humanitarian passports. We wanted to relocate them from war zones to Sacramento, California. So here's the bus that we purchased. Stone Creek right there. There you go. And on the side of that, you can see, you got, you know, because you just got to see it from a different angle, you know. And then we have two families. The first family here, you paid for the, all of their flights, all of their relocation fees. The second, second family here, you paid for them as well. And come on, can we just give it up a round of applause? That's wonderful. And Pastor Sergey and his wife Natalie will actually be with us, God willing, on July the 24th. They are flying in. They're going to be in the service on that day, so I'm, I'm excited about that. Today, we're talking about the way of lament, and we're focusing in on this second uh, beatitude, heavenly attitude here, and it is, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. It's interesting. What I love about this, though the, these nine essential attitudes of what it means to be a Christ follower, although they're not, what we'll say, hidden under vault-like circumstances, but you know what's interesting? They are in places I never would have thought to look. Last week, we talked about the poor in spirit, and the Bible says that those who are poor in spirit will have the kingdom of heaven. And this week, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. I wouldn't think that that's a place where you would find a deeply embedded joy in the favor of God in the place of mourning. When Jesus chooses the word here in his teaching on mourning, he, he takes the strongest word. It means to, to wail. It means to, uh, to deeply mourn the loss of a loved one. It's thinking about somebody that you love and held dear has passed away, and you're in that state of mourning. Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. What I want to do, I want to play in that sandbox if I will, for a little bit before we get to the application and what it means for our life. And I'll just say like this, the, the blessing is not in the morning. It's the path that morning creates to God's comfort that's blessed. Because if the blessing was in the morning, all that you and I would do to increase the favor of God and the joy of God in our life, all that we would need to attend is a funeral. Could you imagine that? I need some more of God's favor. I need some more joy. Let's go to a funeral. It's not what it's saying. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. You know, as you live life, live it long enough, one of two statements will become more and more true about you. There are two statements that are, are, are true, but you will live primarily in one or the other. 
First one is this, life hurts. And that's mourning. You mourn because of pain. Life will hurt you. The other side of that is God will heal you. And we and life will usually largely end up living in one of those two sides. We'll, we'll get to a certain age and we'll say, man, life hurts. Or we'll say, yeah, life hurts, but I want you also to know that God heals. And that's where the blessing is, that you would move. This is what this message is, that you would move from the life hurt side and that you would begin to migrate to the God heals side. Because one of the things I love about Jesus in the text when it describes him, in the shortest verse in the Bible, John eleven thirty five, it says that Jesus wept in a situation where a person dies. Everybody's weeping and crying. He's about to change the situation, but before he performs the God-like stuff, the God-man Jesus, he weeps with those who weep. And the word there is pathos in the Greek. It means it's heartfelt. He is wailing. He is mourning in the moment with those who mourn. And you know what I, I think is also very important to realize before we dive into the application of this is that the salvation, the new birth experience in your life, when you give your life to Jesus, it's the whole person that is being saved. So I'll put it like this. It's not just an orthodoxy, right believing. It's not just an orthopraxy, right living. It's also this, an orthopathy, which is this, right feeling. So when you give your life to Jesus, it will change your thinking. You give your life to Christ, it'll change your actions. But sometimes the thing that we don't think about is this, is that it'll change your emotions. It'll change the way you feel. In fact, you know what the B attitudes are? They're largely emotions. And they are the reformation of the work of God, of God healing your emotions and processing in your life. That's what it is. So there's this verse in Ephesians chapter 3 that says that God uh, can do above all that you can ask, think, or imagine. But then it says this, according to the power that's at work in you. You see, the greatest miracles sometimes are not the cleansing of the lepers, the blind eyes being opened, the dead raised. Sometimes the greatest miracles are ones you can't see because they take place on the inside. When it was probably our seventh year of marriage, and our marriage was not doing good. And I came home from work one day, and my wife says to me, sits me down. I mean, no, this ain't going to be good. <laughs> and she says, listen, I don't like us, and I'm not the problem. You are. <laughs> Ooh, don't, don't look or don't nudge. This just right here. Keep with me. If you want to go to Kentucky Fried Chicken, right here. You know, because of experiences in my childhood, because I had not mourned things well, what happened, I am an adult now in marriage, and I'll be honest with you, rarely if ever did I feel emotion. I had not cried in decades. When my wife would fight with me, when Shay would fight with me, we would, we would have fights, I would get this, I hated this question, well, how do you feel? Because I didn't feel anything at all. I wasn't angry. I wasn't sad. 
I was completely numb. I remember sitting down in a counseling session, being handed a sheet of paper with a hundred emotions in these different categories and having to carry it in my back pocket. And anytime somebody asked me how I'm feeling, I had to pull it out and go through the list and say, that's how I'm feeling. I did that for quite a while until I could figure out and invite the Lord to do a healing work and restore to me proper emotions. So when I'm preaching to you today, listen, I'm preaching to myself today. Okay? So let's just dive right in because we, and we are instinctively and as humans created to avoid pain. Our first instinct, if I could give a posture to this, is, is that if there's pain, our posture is always to turn away from it. I don't want nothing to do with that. Some of us have personalities that are built towards pain avoidance. We will move house. We will move cities. We will move across the nation to avoid pain. We will switch jobs rather than have the tough painful conversation, we'll avoid it. I'm going to start somewhere else. I'm going to avoid pain. Sometimes we do that rather than own our own pain. We'll let it destroy a marriage and go to the next marriage. Just to avoid it here, I'm going to move over to here. And what happens is in life, when we avoid pain, listen, pain has no shelf life. Just because it happened years ago, it can still be just as real now. Pain buried alive. Feelings buried alive never die. They just resurrect themselves in anger, apathy, all kinds of different ways in our life. It keeps coming back. In fact, I'm convinced, and I've seen this play out in life, is that we, when it comes to avoiding pain, we develop habits, such as rather than deal with the pain of maybe an absent father or a broken relationship, we will to numb it, to avoid it, become a workaholic. I'll hide it under the guise of we need to pay off the house, we need to do these things, I'm just going to work, work, work. No, because I, if I can work, then I ain't got to talk. Or here's another one, uh, binge watching. Rather than just watch one show, we'll watch three or four shows and we'll fall asleep with it on just so we don't have to think and we can be distracted. Weekends, we'll just binge watch all day long. And what that is, we're just numbing it. It's called escapism. We're escaping it. Uh, sometimes it can look like overeating. Comfort, rather than, rather than deal with it, I'm just going to have one helping. I'm going to have multiple, multiple helpings. And I, 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 Sometimes it's even gaming. I can't cope in this world, so I'll play in an alternative world. Sometimes, and this one's the tough one, and I know the ladies aren't going to be happy with me on this one. It is Mother's Day, but shopping. Sometimes, I get quiet up in here. I heard a, I heard a rumbling move through the crowd. Sometimes in order to feel good and to, to just distract ourselves and We'll consistently buy things that we don't need. We'll have an inordinate amount of debt just because we, we want to distract ourselves with the new and we're just buying and buying and buying. But the, the Bible teaches a different reality. And we'll talk about how we move from avoidance to turning towards it. 
But in the middle is this theological thought, is, and, th- and this is reality, is that God wants to invade that space with his divine presence. That the comfort of the divine presence of God, it fills the place of mourning. And today I want to look at a mom in scripture as a case study on how God works in a place of mourning. Because we're going to look at a, a, a mom, a single mom in this story. Her name is Hagar. And listen, she's in a situation that it happened to her. She's been cast out. She has no financial security. She's socially outcast. And now she's in a predicament where the welfare of her child, uh, the child's about to pass away, and she's in a desert, in a seemingly destitute situation. And what you're going to see is there's a pattern of how God works through Scripture in mourning-like situations. And read along with me. Genesis chapter 21, it reads as follows. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went off and sat down about a bow shot away, for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. This is Ishmael, her son. He, she's gone a bow shot about 100 yards or so away, and she just can't watch her kid die. And as she sat there, I just love this, she begins to sob. And if there's anything, I think, as a whole that moms give us, it is the ability to mourn. So she's mourning it in real time. And God heard the boy crying. And the angel of the Lord called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then said, God opened her eyes, and she saw the well of water. So she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. Now, I'm just going to give you the pattern. This isn't in your notes, but you should write this down. God sees, God hears, God provides. God sees, God hears, God provides. The Israelites, for 450 years, live in bondage. God begins to speak to Moses, and in the conversation, he goes, I have seen the affliction of my people. I have heard their cries, and now I've provided for them a deliverer, and that's going to be you. God sees, God hears, God provides. So in this text, you have a newly minted single mom in the desert, and Hagar would say, that I now see the God who sees me. So if you're in a place of mourning, the thing you need to realize is this, is that God sees you. And let me just, let me just say this to all the single moms in the room. You may be in a situation you didn't ask for that's financially really hard and you feel like you're in a destitute situation, your concern is for your children, and now here you are having to bear the brunt of this responsibility in unideal circumstances, and you're wondering if anybody sees you. Let me just tell you, I'm speaking to every one of the moms in the place. Listen to me. Single moms, listen. I was raised by a single mom. Let me just tell you, you are doing much better 
than you realize this morning. Come on. So can we give it up for all the single moms in the house? Come on. In fact, we had somebody step forward that in honor of Mother's Day, they have decided any single mom in the house at Stone Creek today that needs their oil changed, they're paying for it. There you go. Come on, somebody. All you need to do is scan the QR code, follow the links, just click the button, and uh, you can sign up for that. All we'll need is basic information, and we'll email you a digital way to get an oil change. Now, listen, if you are not a single mom and you a brother up in here thinking, hey, I'm about to get me a free oil change. Let me tell you what's about to happen to you. Tonight when you go to bed, the fleas of a thousand camels will be in your bed. You're going to get a rash all over that body. I'm telling you, I'm going to pray it down on you. The fleas of a thousand camels. Don't say that you weren't warned. God sees. Next thought is this, is that God hears. Now notice in the text, God says, I didn't hear the sobbing of the mother, but I heard the cry of the child. And I think this is for all of us. Sometimes the things that's causing us to mourn the most is the conditions of our children, especially the spiritual condition of our children. Some of them, you're here in this room, and the cry of your heart as a mom, as a parent, is, man, they're far away from God. I just want you to know this, and I just think this is just worth noting, that you can trust that the moment that they cry out to the Lord, no matter where they're at in the world, no matter what they're doing, no matter what's going on, I'm telling you, God will hear them and come quickly to them wherever they're at. That's a promise. So God will hear. God will see. And this is the crazy thing, is that God will provide. Now notice, what does he provide for her? It says he opens her eyes and she sees a well of water. Now when you're reading the Bible, one of the, a, a thing to do, one, one of the symbols of the Holy Spirit is water. So anytime you see water in the scriptures, think, how does this relate to the ministry and person of the Holy Spirit? You know, they're in a desert, and now there's a well in the middle of the desert. You know, in the Mojave Desert, there's the Mojave River. It's 100 miles, roughly 100 miles long. It's one of the most important rivers in the West. The Mojave Desert, or the Mojave River, they call it the desert paradox. A few reasons why. Number one is it's bigger at its beginning than its end. Rivers usually get bigger by the end, but this one is biggest at the beginning. Another reason is, is it doesn't flow towards a sea or an ocean. It doesn't flow south. It flows north. It's, it, it flows a different direction. But the last thing that makes it the most paradoxical is they call it the hidden river, meaning it doesn't flow above ground largely, and it doesn't flow underground. It flows through the ground at about 10 to 15 feet deep through the sand, sandy soil, intermittently rising and then slowly going back down. They call it the Hidden River. Sometimes the only reason you know it's there is because along its edges are trees, flowers, and wildlife in the midst of a desert. Everything around it's dying, but the outline of the, the river you can see just moving the invisible river. Let me just say this. It, it was there the whole time. She wasn't aware of it, but God opened her eyes to it. 
There is, when the midst of your suffering, one of the titles of the Holy Spirit, what is it? He's the comforter. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. When you're in that mourning situation, be on the lookout because the Holy Spirit, the hidden river, that hidden well is there, and God's going to make you aware of it in a way that you didn't previously perceive it. Six or seven months ago, maybe even longer, one of the things that I love to do on Mondays is I try to spend a significant amount of time reading the Bible and praying. Often get the whole day to prayer. One of the things I love to do is go to Homer Lake and walk the trails, just being in nature. And I think there is, I think sometimes in leadership, we, there's a trapping in leadership, especially if you feel like you have a lot of responsibility. Sometimes when you're moving in situations like a pandemic or a crisis or just whatever, you often feel like you don't have the luxury to mourn. You push down and keep leading. Push down. I'll process this, process this at another time. And then, because decisions have to be made, people are looking to you, and you just feel like, man, I have to keep something going here. But I'll be honest. I'm sitting in my truck that day, and I'm numb. I have not wept. I, I, I mean, I just feel like I'm ready to quit. I haven't heard the Lord speak or sensed any great thing in a while. I'm like, I feel like Hagar in the middle of this. Like, I just, I'm, not, I'm, I'm just going to sit here and like, God, do you even see me? And I remember getting out of that truck after reading my Bible and reading a devotion. And I, and I go to this, one of the paths there and I'm getting ready to go on my walk and I'm standing there. The wind's hitting my face and I just pause, close my eyes and pray a quick prayer and take my first step. And I don't want to overplay this, but it was like in that one step, unbeknownst to me, all unaware, had no inkling of this. I went from a natural place into all I can describe into a heavenly place. And in that moment, it was as if like it was a well of water. There was a hidden river. The Holy Spirit met me in a powerful way. I'm in the place of mourning. I feel like, I mean, things are not what I want. Like, God, how do all this, how do I even get here? My soul seems like a wreck on the inside. I mean, I've disappointed so many people. People close to me are angry. All of these things. Seems like people are this. I don't know what to do. But then the voice of the Lord in that moment, God just spoke things I haven't even talked about. He affirmed me and spoke to me. And I'm telling you, I just, I uncontrolled it. If you would have saw me, you would have been like, what is wrong with that guy? I mean, I couldn't control. I'm weeping. I'm talking to snot, ugly cry. And it, I mean, for the next few hours, honestly, to be the next few days, probably in the next few weeks, every time I prayed, the presence of the Lord was there. And I just wept every time in the presence of God. Now, Listen, I'm not even sure if God had not have met me there, if I would even be the lead pastor here now. Because listen, I needed the Holy Spirit to comfort me and meet me in that moment. So listen, what I want to talk to you about is how do you go from turning away from pain to where now you could say, you know what? I'm going to move from the life hurts to the God heals, and I'm going to at least attempt to face my pain, to face, to mourn it. So I get just some simple, these are practical things. 
First is facing the pain, a new posture. The first one is this, making room to mourn, making space to mourn. How do I do that? I want you to get really practical here, and I want you to fast. By that, I mean, what am I fasting? Fasting from the distractions. So if shopping was the way you distract yourself, no extra purchases for one week. Oh, somebody just got excited in here. No, no TV shows for a week. No video games for a week. No overeating for a week. No extra hours at work for a week. Whatever you're doing to distract yourself, why? The scripture says, Psalm 69, I have broken my spirit with fasting. And when you have created a script for yourself, and when you go off script, your mind responds with novelty. It will think new thoughts. It will think new patterns. It will think new things. And if you follow the same thing, you always get the same. Get off script. Make space tomorrow. What are you going to do with that extra time? Next is this. You have to, we have to wait in stillness. Silence and solitude. Be still and know that I am God. We have to often, we find ourselves when we're present with the Lord. And I found that when I come to the Lord in stillness, don't distract myself with many words, and there wait in the present and present myself to the Lord, what happens? It may not happen immediately, but what happens over time is all of those emotions that I've stuffed begin to rise to the surface in the presence of the Lord. Another one is this. I think this is really good. Once they've come to the service and you've talked to the Lord about it, write a complaint. I know that sounds crazy, but I want to encourage you to do it. Write a complaint. Psalms 22. Do you know the Psalms are complaining? I call it holy complaining. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is what Jesus quoted when he died on the cross. Psalms 22. Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry out to you. So far from the cries of my anguish. I mean, what is that? He's complaining on paper. When the pandemic started, I got some advice from someone I, I trust. And they said, listen, if you want to give a gift to yourself every day, get up, get a cup of coffee, and write down for three pages anything that comes to your head and out of your heart. Get it out of you on paper. Write it down. Something therapeutic happens. I think even spiritually happens when you just write it out of your heart. And then lastly is this, and I think this is probably one of the biggest keys, is mourning with those who mourn. You know you're moving from life hurts to God heals when you become the instrument that God uses to help somebody else through their stuff. Because in reality, we're all wounded healers. The wounds that kill Jesus heal you. And the wounds that should have destroyed you. Now, they're not open wounds, they're closed wounds. But there's a scar that tells a story. And out of that scar flows life now. And so, mourn with those who mourn. And I, can I just say that if you see people in mourning... You see vast multitudes in mourning, whole people groups in mourning, Ukraine, 
those that mourn George Floyd, those that in our community mourn the death of a police officer a year ago. Listen, if your response when you see others mourn is a critical reaction, in other words, you're defensive, you deny it, you minimize it, and you blame it, I think that's indicative of something. And you should explore what that means underneath the surface because it could be that you are benefiting from their pain. And to acknowledge their pain may mean you have to give up privilege and some powers in order for them to receive healing. But to acknowledge it would be too much of a disruption. So you ignore it, blame it, and you deny it. Mourn with those who mourn. How do I do that? You've been present with God in the stillness and the silence. Now be present with the people. How do I do that? By refusing to use bumper sticker phrases. Ooh, I'm breathing now. You don't have to worry about that. All things are going to work together for the good. Well, that's true, but it doesn't have much empathy with it. It doesn't seem like you really took time to understand it with me. God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. Great. I believe that. I just need you to be quiet and listen for a little bit. Now, listen, here's what it says in Isaiah 50. Now, this is awesome. It says, the sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning. Watch this. He wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. You listen to God. And then when people are in the midst of mourning, you listen to them. And if you will listen to God, ask him to open your ear, and you will sit with people to hear and listen to them, guess what will happen? You will have a word from the Lord. You will have a word in season for the weary ones, those that are mourning. But listen, mourning is not a competition. Some of us wear our mourning like badges, and we've been mourning the loss of a loved one for seven, eight, nine, ten years now. And you are refusing to move from the life hurt side to the God comfort side. Now listen, here's the last thing I'm going to say. This is last thought is that brokenness and pain cannot be the end of the story. We are called to visit mourning. It is right to mourn, but listen, we can't live there. We have to begin to pick ourselves up and begin to move towards the new vision, the new dream, the new picture, the new relationships that God has and wants to establish in our life. Because see, one of the, one of the, the verses we love to quote, Psalms 23, after David walks through the valley of the shadow of death, or you could call it the valley of mourning, you know what he says? He says, you anointed my head with oil and my cup. It overflows. You know why? You know what awaits you if you will begin the journey and start moving it? You know what awaits you as you begin to move from, I've been hurt, life hurts me, to God heals me. You know what it's here? A fresh anointing from the Holy Spirit. And he will fill your cup. He'll fill your life. 
He'll fill your marriage. He'll fill your family. He'll fill you, not with right thinking, not just with right living, but the right kinds of feelings again. Amen. Let's all stand as we close. Now listen, the Bible's a prayer book. When you hear it preached, when you read it, when you interact with it, it should invoke through the promises of Scripture you to the place of prayer. So those able to stand, stand. I'm going to ask you just to humble yourselves and bow your heads, close your eyes, and would you palms in front of you or maybe even to symbolize that you're facing your pain, put, it up, put them up in front of your face. A little bit higher. And you may be in here, I'm going to speak to those who are not in Christ. You don't have a relationship with Christ. You'd say, Jesus is not Lord of my life. And maybe you've um, just walked away from that a long time ago, but you're here today. Or maybe for the first time, you're wanting to enter into a relationship with Jesus. This speaks to you. Mourn and be comforted. Mourn your sin. Don't live in it. Mourn the fact that you're away from God. Mourn the fact that you have guilt and shame. Mourn the fact that you're reaping the harvest of previous decisions. But listen, don't stay there. Let your mourning cause repentance and turn to the comfort that only the Son can give. And as your hands are sitting right there in front of you, you're in the posture of humility. Listen, give your life to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. I turn towards you. I'm moving from mourning to being comforted from you. And the truth is, you spent a whole lifetime trying comfort in all kinds of addictions and relationships. But listen, you'll never find it. You'll never find it outside of Jesus. And if you're right there, this is your moment, not for me to preach, but for you to pray. There's power in your prayer and your surrender right now. Give your heart to the Lord. Turn your life over to him. Ask him to forgive you. And just as passionately, let me plead with you on the other side, those who are in Christ, you're sitting there, listen, life hurts. God heals. And let's begin to move towards the God healed side of things. Maybe even just say those words to the Lord. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. If I can't mourn it, then I can't be comforted. I can't comfort others if he doesn't comfort me now. And maybe you've been escaping it. Maybe it happened a lifetime ago. Maybe it happened last week. But listen, right now we're going to create some space. And I just want you to say, God, see me. God, hear me. God, provide for me. Would you even just invite the Holy Spirit? He's the comforter. He longs to fill the space in your life. Invite him into that right now. Maybe you're just mourning the loss of a loved one. Say, Holy Spirit, I invite you into that. Maybe you're mourning a divorce. I invite you, Holy Spirit, into that. Maybe it's abuse that happened a long time ago. Listen, Holy Spirit, as crazy as it sounds, the desert paradox I invite the river of the Holy Spirit into that to give me life, to speak to me, to heal me, to transform me. Now, Father, I pray in this moment now there are those who are being saved by the power of the Holy Spirit. Make it real. Be the seal of salvation. Let them, what the Bible says, be born again by the Spirit's power. It is supernatural. And you're doing it right now in this place. 
as they pray, meet them. But now I pray for those in this room. Hands extended now. Lord, as the pastor in this place, I pray for a fresh anointing this Mother's Day of the Holy Spirit to be poured out upon them. I pray just for the anointing. Let the Spirit of God descend upon every person in this place right now. Let them have a fresh encounter. Maybe it's been a long time like it was for me. You met me in a, in a Homer Lake on a path. God, meet them in this room right now, especially the moms, especially the single moms. Lord, I pray burdens lifted. May an authority, may a power from the Holy Spirit come upon them this morning. You see, you hear them. You provide for them. And Lord, I pray, let their cup overflow. Let it come up on the inside of them and flow out of them. Let this Mother's Day be the start of something great as we move from life hurts, mourning to God heals, he comforts in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Please remain standing as we worship the Lord.